it's the first episode of 2020 yeah. of the Rhubarb Podcast, so we've made it this far. 13, Probably about 15. when did we start this podcast? I feel like September time last year. Yeah, August, September maybe. Probably August. It feels yeah. like it was earlier. Yeah. So about six months. Yeah. So yeah, with little breaks in between. So we've done well. And a large one between this one and our last, but you yeah, know, it's been holiday season. So that's it to yeah. be expected. Um. So yeah, we're back for another episode. New year. Um, great episode because uh, we're going to be talking about movie soundtracks with uh, Simon and Tristan from Movie Squad. Hello. How are you? Hello. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of did that a bit awkwardly. I, I didn't it. tell you how I was going to do it. No, look, we, we and thank you for, for adhering to our contract to appear that there would be applause when we were <laughs> yeah. introduced. So yeah, yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for doing that. <laughs> no, not a problem at all. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, for those who are aware of you, you do the Movie Squad podcast and also the segment on RTR on Friday's breakfast show. Yes, breakfast uh, with, Taylor with Taylor every seven thirty Friday morning. It's it's us two, and then sometimes a, a fill-in uh, reviewer. Just uh, we talk usually about two films each week. I yep. think that's a good you know uh, size for the thirty minutes that we have to <laughs> yeah. to, to dig in and discuss. Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's um, it was great hanging out with Simon and uh, talking about uh, you know the flops and the uh, and the hits yeah. and all, all the great movies that uh, you know we get to see and some of the the bad ones we get to see as well. I mean, yeah. it's all it's all cinema, you know. That's it. So uh, we were having a conversation just before, and I listened to I think it was your second most recent appearance on Movie Squad. Uh, I wanted to open up with one of my favorite movie soundtracks at the moment, Uncut Gems. The soundtrack by Daniel Lofferton, uh, otherwise known as 10 Tricks Point Never, um, when he's on Warp's record label. What did you guys think of that soundtrack? Because I absolutely loved it. There was so many lush synths, and <laughs> that I was even watching a behind the music where uh, uh, Mo, it, he mentioned that Moog had actually sent him uh, patches to emulate uh, the sound of Vangelis's on Blade Runner's soundtrack. That's cool. Um, and so, you know, Moog, the synth yeah. manufacturer, were actually kind of participating and achieving some of these sounds in the film. So I thought that was a nice touch. And, you know, for such a chaotic film, it's a very, it's literally, you know, categorized from what I've seen online as ambient. So mm. it's very yeah. serene, the soundtrack. Yeah. It's pretty much the only calm thing about the movie that <laughs> yeah. I've, I've noticed so far. Yeah, but it's so omnipresent, and there's something about like it's like that that drowning in like a sea of bees kind of feeling, you know, <laughs> like that that buzz, that persistent. Yeah, it is ambient, but it's just it's not going away. And then as it slowly creeps up, like the film, it is just yeah, it is very intense. And I have to admit, I I wasn't really even familiar with uh, I'm not even going to try and say the name. What is it? One O Point Tricks Never. Mm. Did yeah. I get oh, it right? It took me about four or five months to wrap my head around yeah. it when I, I first heard so, about it. And that was yeah. a punt. I could have gone any any number of ways. <laughs> um, but I wasn't familiar until you kind of pointed me in his direction, Tristan. But it was around good time. Mm. You would kind of, I think, listen to the soundtrack before seeing the movie, which was the Safety Brothers' last flick. And and yeah, that was another fantastic soundtrack as well. Were you Same really, guy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. So were you familiar with them before? No. And see, I think there's a lot of other people who know more th about music than I do, you know, particularly some people at the uh, TRFM station like uh, uh, Will Backler who uh, go deep and long with uh, Mono Point Tricks Never and, and the albums that he's released. Um, but I think his soundtrack work is... is um, is is minimal and related, I think, to the the two Safety Brothers movies, and I think he may have done a track for the Bling Ring as well. Um, I should look that up. Anyway, <laughs> but the the I mean the the great thing about the Safety Brothers movies, and one thing about the soundtrack is that uh, the movies kind of operate between sort of very authentic docu documentary style street casting, like the sense of re real realness, but then there's also this like hyper stylistic quality and the music really serves that particularly when you watch good time and it's about the stressful endeavor where this brother is trying to get his other is his his brother out of jail and then you have this like blaring synth that makes it sound like a video game and yeah and uh and how much that just adds to the the anxiety as well and even though there, there are moments that are very serene in uncut gems like there are just moments where people the sound mix is amazing because people are trying to talk above the music and then the music is just like swamping the mat and you're just like i can't hear what people are yelling about and it's just it just adds to the chaotic feeling mm. i feel yeah, yeah i'd kind of almost liken it to um sort of what simon had touched on 
it's because it's so omnipresent um and it's such a such a stark contrast to what's happening in the scenes where it's all chaos and um kind of yeah just almost it's like drowning or something like that it's just surrounds you and you kind of it, it almost adds to the sense of helplessness that you have watching the film like you just want the character to get the freaking gem back <laughs> <laughs> and yeah all the while there's this yeah this this synth score that's just kind of uh yeah just somehow adding to the the sense of stress there's also something like cosmic about it yeah you know mm. like and there's that kind of theme throughout the film as well that that this gem real or not has this like mystical power over kevin Garnett. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the way even the, that opening and closing shot without spoiling anything the way it goes into the gem um it does kind of have this otherworldliness to it so yeah. we're kind of like we're sort of participating from the outside at this like this it's like a very like like there are other films very fly in the wall yeah kind of. and we're sort of above it and beyond it yeah. to a degree so but i love it i, I think it i think it, it, it it's a better combo than it was in good time even though it was fantastic in that mm. film yeah I watched uh, the film Heaven Knows What mm. the day after Uncut Gems um, and I was very excited to see, oh, to hear, sorry, the soundtrack because mm. that wasn't by Daniel Lopperton but it was very similar. A lot of those, you know, arpeggiated synths and lush pads and very similar kind of style. Maybe a little bit more aggressive than oh, the totally. other two. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Ariel Pink actually makes a cameo in that. Yeah, um, I heard and that. there's I'm a deleted excited. scene where he argues with the New York saxophone guy. Remember that viral video years ago with the guy? Uh, oh, sorry, uh, I think it might be a trumpet. Guys playing trumpet in New York on the street, busking, and this like, you know, very small man like storms up and he's like, "You don't know music. You don't respect music." And he's like, "I went to music school for eight years." And have you seen this one? <laughs> I, no, I, 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 this I don't think I have. It's, I like it was you. very viral at the yeah. time, yeah. and he's just like going absolutely off, and you know, he's making a bit of a silly billy of himself. And uh, they actually convinced him to do that in this film, but they cut the scene, uh, and he's ranting at Ariel Pink, who's playing like a homeless heroin addict. And he's just sitting there and he's like, go away, man. He's like, whatever, man. <laughs> I love the idea. I mean, heaven knows what is, even compared to those other two films, it's just so brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. It is. The idea that the Safdie brothers could sit there and go, you know what? This is too much. This is too much <laughs> arguing. We finally, <laughs> we finally hit the threshold. Let's cut one argument between a heroin addict and, and a homeless man. Let's yeah. just get that one out of, out of the way. Yeah. So are they these directors? Sorry, what is it? The the Safety Safety brothers. Safety brothers. So they are they actively seeking out electronic musicians to score their films? Is that like just a I thing can't that they who did heaven knows what? But they just I think obviously they they struck up a relationship with Daniel Lopperton and 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 they've made music stuck. videos. Like I think they're from that. Well, they actually directed they a Jay Z music video. Yeah, really? years ago. Yeah, um, the Mercy Me cool. video. I think from memory. Um, and they yeah. just released actually they just released a short film with Adam Sandler as well. It's called like. Goldman versus Silverman or something oh, like right. that. It's about two street performers. And it's only about 10 minutes long and it has a similar kind of soundtrack. I'd be interested to know again if they've utilized some other electronic mm. uh, uh, artist or whether yeah. they've worked with uh, One Point Tricks never again. Um, but yeah, they definitely kind of... They sort of you got it on the second time, by the way. <laughs> oh, did I get it again? You got it right. Oh, I thought it was like, the first time. Oh, I did get it you, wrong the you, first time. You did, but you got the words right, but around the wrong way. Oh. <laughs> and then you oh, nailed it on that one. Wow. So I wanted, I wanted to reassure you that you'd figured it out. I wish really I really quickly. Combination. I wish I'm, I remembered. I'm pretty which, impressed. Yeah. I wish I remembered even which way I said it that second time. The third time. <laughs> I'm not going to try the third time. Um, but yeah, they clearly like to live in this world. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously have some deep ties to the music industry, and that's had an influence on how their filmmaking has sort of come come about so yeah i haven't watched uh daddy long legs yet it's uh it's waiting is the soundtrack to that good have you watched that one well or is not, there not much emphasis on it i haven't seen and i want to and uh, it's it's hard to find copies or where yeah. they they might be streaming for their earlier films daddy long legs and the pleasure of being robbed and i don't know but it, like it seems as well that the style of those films I mean, I think they do, they might go into plots that are a little bit observational and chaotic, but they seem a bit more lo-fi, almost like mumblecore kind of films. I was so, going to say, yeah. I, I, and I always wanted to see Daddy Longlegs. It's, it's not legally available in Australia. I um, think it might be on Criterion Channel. I've not signed up to it. it that sounds, look, probably. Yeah. But I think, I think you're right. It was, it was kind of at that time where, you know, the Duplass brothers and, and Greta Gerwig and, um, you know, that kind of mumblecore crew emerged. So 
my gut feel is that it's probably a more pared back movie. But yeah, again, we're speaking with that authority. Because <laughs> yeah. I've seen people online refer to uh, Uncut Gems, Heaven Knows What, and Good Time as their addiction trilogy. So yeah, they kind of sure. sit differently oh, wow. to their other films. And I, I think that's a really good comparison because all those films, whether it's gambling and, and the rush of you know the next you know sure. big thrill or whether it's heroin or whether it's, you know, LSD in a Sprite bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that ad- addiction to, you know, in um, that movie's case, money, mm. that, you know, is is the the seed of, or the catalyst of that chaos. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I, I, I've i never seen them officially refer to it as that. I don't think that's an official <laughs> thing. But when I heard people talking or read people talking about it, it made a lot of sense to me, yeah. you know. I agree with that. So, yeah, uncut gems. What what uh, films did you guys have a think about? What are some of your official favorite soundtracks? Uh, favorite official soundtracks. Well, no bootlegs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'd like to hear uh, Simon. Oh, stuff, here we go. So, yeah. <laughs> Throwing to me first. All right, I'll pull up the old list. Oh, look, the first one that did come to mind, um, and I might actually be cribbing one from from Tristan. Um, well, the first one that came to mind was Boogie Nights. Um, but I did actually want to steer away from that. I thought, cause maybe you would bring it up. Um, <laughs> but the last days of disco, the with Stillman <laughs> film, which is, you know, I guess when, when you were kind of mentioning soundtracks, you know, I ran through a few different ideas, which was, okay, are we, are we talking scores? Are we talking, you know, artists who have developed, you know, the whole soundtrack and I've got a few sort of, of each. Um, but I did want to bring a kind of compilation to the table. And I always think about, you know, growing up in my household, you know, you could not move for the Forrest Gump soundtrack being played, you know, <laughs> with, with both discs, you know, just like classic, you know, parents love that Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yeah. But I think there's something special about a good compilation. Absolutely. And yeah, having that uh, in yeah. a film. And Dazed and Confused is one that comes to mind. That's a great one. Yeah. That's a great compilation one. Yeah, yeah. And, and Richard Linklater is obviously great at that kind of thing as well and, and great musical moments. But yeah, Boogie Nights and The Last Days of Disco are just these, these great, you know, disco, late 70s mm. kind of combos. And, and what I like about them is they kind of do, you know, they veer into the, um, you know, the deep cuts, but they do still have the daggy stuff on there because <laughs> yeah. it is the late 70s, you know, specifically and, and early 80s in the case of Boogie Nights. And to have, uh, and I think Last Days of Disco is 1980. Is that what it's set? 79, 80, thereabouts? Yeah. Just to have those, you know, chic on that soundtrack. You have to acknowledge the dark side of disco. Yeah, the dark <laughs> side of disco, exactly. Well, like Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah. that as well, yeah. And, and of course, I love the, the closing scene in, in The Last Days of Disco with um, the OJ's Love Train where they're dancing mm. along on the actual train. So, yeah, that was one. that They were the two that came to mind. A good compilations. Like, you could put mm. them on at a, at a dinner party, at a regular party, just when you're yeah. around the house, and they just, they just work. And yeah. people don't have to know that they're soundtracks. It could be just no, be like that's it, the yeah. best hits of the 77 yeah. or whatever. Like or it's, you've made this yeah. awesome mix. Like yeah. <laughs> the one that's actually it's a pretty popular seller when I get it through the doors is I don't I can't speak for the film because I'm not a fan, but the Big Chill has like a fantastic oh, yeah. soundtrack just sure. full of Motown classics and uh, you could easily stick that on at a at a party and people would just think you were playing a great Motown soundtrack, yeah. you know. They don't need to picture Glenn Close crying in the shower. No, or, no. Or um, no one needs to do Kevin that. Costner dead on a slab. Is, is no. he the one who plays the corpse in the big show? Yeah, shell? see, like, <laughs> and that's, you know, my parents both had the Forrest Gump soundtrack and the Big Chill one. And the mm. Big Chill is such a... Everyone had it. ...iconic soundtrack because, yeah, it does, it does collect all these brilliant Motown songs and... Um, and uh, yeah, it's funny. Like I, I would grow up with it, just looking at the the the, the cover and just think, "What is this movie about?" And it's just about <laughs> these these yuppies in the eighties, like just dancing in the kitchen to these songs. So it is an interesting way that they actually use the songs in the film. But it, I mean, this is an era like the eighties, um, particularly where like you know the soundtrack becomes like a, just like another entity that you can sell and, and mass market. And if you've got a, like a, a great compilation, people will just like buy it. Absolutely. And they don't yeah. even have to care or, or think about the film. Yeah. yeah. The one that I would, w- would add to that pile is um, I, and see that's sometimes when you get uh, soundtracks that are released, you don't get all the songs. So that's always disappointing. Yeah. So Some license holders not willing to chuck it on there. And you're like, well, or they, they just go like, it's just one soundtrack. So, you know, it, you know, this is one CD or one LP. We can't put everything on there. But um, so that's why to me, the official Goodfellas soundtrack is kind of disappointing because it's only got about yeah. 11 of the 88 songs. I that nearly are in that put movie. that on my list before I realized that actually. Yeah. <laughs> is so, Layla on there? Uh, it, that is on there. So that's, a very, that's a very significant part of the film. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. But so to me, I love, I prefer 
this casino soundtrack because that at least has two CDs of material. And much like Forrest Gump, that just goes through different decades, different styles. You got Louis Prima and Devo like on the same disc. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit more eclectic and strange, yeah. but it's uh, it's kind of like a dark cousin to the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yeah, one of the worst <laughs> offenders. One of the worst offenders in this same kind of genre that has left off an iconic song is. Uh, you know, whatever your feelings about the movie, I quite like it. American Hustle, the David O. Russell film, mm-hmm. has, again, it's set, I think, in the late 70s and it's got all these great songs. And the opening sequence to that film is set to Steely Dan's Dirty Work, mm. which is just a perfect setup for that whole movie. And it's not on there. <laughs> and it's a great song. Why is it? Well, I don't know what happened there. See, so if, if you get into film and you love soundtracks, that can be like the. And, and and that's what, you know, it's happening with um, vinyl releases and, and reissues is that they go like, okay, here's everything that was in the film. Uh, but, yeah, if you get that soundtrack and you, you're missing that iconic moment or that song, it, yeah, you, f- you feel cheated. <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. happy to pay extra money for a box set or a th- three or four LP if it meant having the complete collection of songs. Yeah. Absolutely. Liam, you had uh, you, uh, you mentioned a compilation one to me before when we we're cross-checking our lists to make sure we didn't double up. I did probably. Was, uh, uh, was it the Crow? It was actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason I like that soundtrack so much, obviously, beside the fact that I love the film, mm. um, is that it's full of really great cover versions and a lot of songs that I don't think were recorded on albums from the artists so i think a lot yeah. of songs I, I could be wrong but Pantera i think i had two songs on there that yeah I, and albums, i believe yeah. i believe the majority of the artists actually recorded songs for the soundtrack so you've got um nine inch nails covering joy division which is awesome <laughs> um pantera covering poison idea yeah um you've got roland's band covering suicide uh it's it's just like Probably one of the only soundtracks that I can listen to from start to finish and enjoy. And it's just so quintessentially 90s as well, which I love about it. Because for me, um, you know, the 1990s, particularly like the early to mid 1990s, was like the golden age of cinema, I think. Other than obviously the the, the actual golden age. So, <laughs> <laughs> so golden, golden age too. Electric, electric boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just yeah, it just evokes all the things that I love about like 1990s cinema. And, um, yeah, and it's like gothic and dark and cool. So it's very yeah, it's very very nineties. Yeah, like I I I love the the nineties era of cinema and just like the camera technology they had at the mm. time and just the production values that that you know period of cinema really encapsulated. Yeah, there's it's, a lot of. Dry it's probably because I was quite well. young at that time <laughs> when those were like the big films and. To me, it's like a probably like a comfort kind of thing of like yeah yeah like, yeah, like kid, yeah. I, I like watch I know what you're talking about I like watching them now because they finally feel like period films yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah something yeah, about exactly. it like like yeah. watching Heat. watching Wayne's World you're just oh like, yeah oh, watching this, Wayne's is, this is hot <laughs> but you look I love Wayne's World you, it's like <laughs> this is at least fifty years ago this is at least fifty five years ago and mm. then it's like well it was twenty five years ago that's still something that's still yeah. a chunk of time mm. away and there's there's probably even a great compilation to be made out of all those. You know, not necessarily grunge, or but there's alternative acts who were signed to labels in, in on mass in the early '90s, and were all commissioned to do one song for whatever soundtrack, mm. like a compilation of all those songs that never wound up on on albums separately. I, I'm trying to think of some examples. I mean, Radiohead's I think talk show host is on talk um, show host was on, on uh, Romeo uh, and Juliet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and just you, you, all those acts were suddenly signed. And they were contractually obligated to be on the Sony release, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, another, you know, there's probably a million of them, but yeah, yeah. I think the Crow is a good example of that. that. That's a great example, though, Romeo and Juliet. I'd forgotten entirely about that. Yeah, Garbage have uh, number, number one. one idiot. Is that what it's called? Something like that. Anyway. See, my sister, when I was growing up, my sister had that soundtrack, so I would borrow it from her and listen to it. And that was one that, you know, they eventually was so popular that they came out with the second disc. That's right. They and they had too. some, like, remixes and stuff on there. But uh, And that one, you know, like... There are there are songs on there that seem like uh, created or sculpted for the film, and then mm. they become these like iconic kind of uh, moments as yeah. well. Yeah, Freddy versus Jason was another one that springs <laughs> to mind. <laughs> what what are this? I've seen the film, but yeah. what is what's all is the that soundtrack? Is that more of a hip hop one? I'm uh, trying to think of that. Oh, like... it's a real mix. It's very like early two thousands. Um, there's there's uh, Sepultura and Mike oh. Patton do oh, yeah. a track on there together, which is I mean, who wouldn't want to hear that? Um, and there's, yeah, just like a, like lots of crossover kind yeah. of stuff on there. It's, it's like two artists together, like 
who who written like and Freddy vs. Jason style was that yeah, the actual movie? I, I, I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. What a you know what's yeah. funny? That never occurred to me before you <laughs> mentioned it. But um, yeah, like it's I just love those you know unique soundtracks where you you just don't you don't get those recordings on mm. anything else, and I think that's a fantastic idea. But yeah, that's that's the only compilation one I had. The other two were. Well, well you, the other two are scores, really, but yeah. You've reminded me of two like popular soundtracks, and I, I think they're from the same producer. But they because but they had that thing of like getting two desperate bands together to create music. That be, so like Judgment Night is a film that some people have not even seen or remember, but that soundtrack is very iconic for a generation because it was it brought together like hip-hop artists and um and uh grunge or alternative uh artists um i think that's the one that's got uh anthrax and public enemy doing oh, a song together oh, yeah, yeah. and then and then there was the one that my sister owned which was the spawn soundtrack which had kind of like goth industrial bands collaborating with electronic so that, that i i remember borrowing that soundtrack and getting four tracks because i liked them so much and that was like Crystal Method and someone else. Oh, um, Filter. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, still popular on vinyl, that soundtrack, actually. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah they I did mean, it for yeah, a record yeah. sort of a couple of years back, I think. Yeah, we've yeah. had it through and it and it sold very quickly. Yeah. But, yeah, great Actually, speaking of vinyl, the Crow soundtrack was uh, was unavailable for a very long time. and It, it had actually a, never been issued on vinyl. Never been, yeah. It was issued on vinyl for the first time for Record Store Day last year. Oh, wow. Uh, it was like it was, definitely the number one request of Record, yeah, that that record and, Store Day. Yeah, uh, wow. and the reissue of... Um, uh, oh, man. Bill Murray and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh. Lost, oh, Lost in Translation. Lost in, yeah, translation. the reissue yeah. of Lost in Translation, which is another fantastic soundtrack. Like Kevin, Kevin Shields of My Bloody Valentine did a lot of the... Yeah, the right. score work for that, oh, um, but there's also that's been on my to watch list for a while. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's oh, wow. gone up a few definitely notches, listen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's there's my bloody Valentine tracks on. It's mostly compiled with shoegaze songs, and then anything that's the score to the film is is Kevin Shields cool. and his many 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 pedals. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, lost my train of thought now. That's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> too busy thinking. Should about we jump on the train of thought of scores then? Because I've I've got one. This one. I actually wrote down all, all of it because uh, there's a little teaser in the middle of this episode. Mm. We'll be jumping on the Movie Squad podcast. So you've got two crossover <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Simpsons meets Futurama. <laughs> what, like, Remember uh, when that happened? That was big news yeah. for me. Thank you for doing that and not Simpsons meet Family. Yeah, I was just oh, going to say yeah. that. I appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah. I remember there was a spinoff. I was a big fan of the X-Files and they were, they were supposed to do a spinoff where the X-Files would cross over with Picket Fences because they were both Fox shows and it didn't end up happening. So there you go. Oh, wow. But then you get the the crossover of all crossovers, which is the character played by... Uh, <laughs> it, 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 Lisa Kudrow. No, no, no. I was going to say... Because that's the example. If you were going to go for that example, we would be on vibrating on too close a frequency. No, no. It was the, the Law and Order <laughs> detective played by Richard Belzer who oh. has like appeared on... So many other TV shows yep. as either a joke or a crossover. Detective Munch. Detective Munch. I think he appeared on an episode of The X-Files. So the Munchiverse, yeah. The Munchiverse. <laughs> um, I was going to reference, and this is so pointless, I don't even know why we're on the segregation. <laughs> Go ahead. But I, I said Lisa Kudrow, of course, the uh, Mad About You Friends crossover with uh, Ursula, the character <laughs> oh, existing in both, oh, no. in both universes. It sounds anyway, like a universe on. that I don't, <laughs> don't ever want to live in. Uh, well, my, my, the soundtrack that I'm bringing up is Vangelis's score, uh, sorry, original score to Blade Runner. Mm. However, hmm. thought you were going to say no. Chariots of Fire for a second. However, <laughs> nah. I mean, it's pretty iconic, but uh, nowhere near as cool, though. Yeah, no, nowhere near as cool. Um, however, not the officially released uh. one. The five, the four CD <laughs> uh, bootleg that is heavily theorized that Vangelis actually leaked himself because uh. the label didn't want to put it out and he was like no I want this out there. <laughs> there so the he obviously as many people know did the soundtrack for Blade Runner. Mm. Um very iconic soundtrack. So was that particular the the cut you're talking about was that just music that was never used was it used for one of the cuts? The It's got everything. Like it's oh, basically it's right. like the studio sessions of it. Got it. But there's a lot of foley art in there too That's that cool. they put in there. But uh Basically, Blade Runner soundtrack, it's extended. A lot of the tracks that they had to condense to release onto an album and now in their full composition form. Uh, 
one of the discs as well as one of my favorite like kind of field recording style ambient albums where I think it's the third disc it's basically like just spending an hour in the world of Blade Runner without barely any music it's just kind of you know like a field recording hmm. so there's one track that's Deckard's apartment yeah. it's got that whirring going on in the background and it's like I used to put that on late at night on my um, bookshelf speakers and just lie in bed and just close my eyes and take myself to another world yeah. and uh it's very soothing, relaxing. And then you've got like uh, some remixes on the fourth disc. And the, the the second disc, I think, is a lot of uh, unreleased material that never made it to the mm. film. But he, you know, did it as part of setting up this world and, you know, all this source material that he provided them to use. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of extended tracks as well, which makes it a, my favorite. I would say that's my favorite movie soundtrack. It, straight up wow. it's pretty amazing but it is it's, it's such a it's such a weird wide world when you get into that bootleg stuff like you, you like yeah. you might just be going along your merry way thinking oh well there's just a soundtrack for blade runner but you like you, you look it up and you're like no there's these all these like releases and these versions that people have put out there yeah. a lot of them you can get on youtube i guess to to listen to but it yeah. is it's a it's and a, i have bought the vinyl edition <laughs> for for moral for the moral conundrum yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's a, it's a deep it's a deep dank world the the Blade Runner the Blade Runner bootlegs but the one that you mentioned yeah I, I love listening to that one as well which is like it's basically just like yeah Deckard's apartment so like the 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 scene of like five minutes that he's just like you know f- changing his shirt or whatever yeah. like you can listen to an hour of that and <laughs> yeah. just like oh yeah but Blade Runner's great you I, know? Feel, I think I remember <laughs> seeing someone make. Uh, uh, like a 12 hour extended version. Oh, yeah. Like there's a channel on YouTube where this guy, he, he gets like, uh, yeah, the, the background soundtracks of, from different like sci-fi shows and movies. And then just like, you know, cuts them so that they loop seamlessly. And then he'll upload like a 12 hour version. So you can chuck it on for as long as you like. Um, and I think he's done a Deckard's apartment one as well. So if you want, you've got the hour, but if that's not long enough, yeah. 12 hours is yeah. uh, is out there. That's for when, when the date night courting needs it just a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, that could maybe, I, f- I feel like there's a meme there with, uh, you know, the uh, American psycho, um, <laughs> Huey oh, sure. Lewis in the news when he pulls it out and he goes on a rant about yeah, Huey yeah, Lewis yeah. in the news. <laughs> you know, you could do that with the Blade Runner five disc. Uh, I think it's called the Esper Edition bootleg oh, yes. soundtrack. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, uh, you mentioned, but I think you both mentioned that you had some, uh, scores as well. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, you want to crack oh, scores? Sure, sure. Well, you know, uh, I've got a very long list and so there's not going to be enough time to get through everything, but, um, I think I might, you know, mention this one because, um, it like, uh, our, we were talking a little bit about, you know, ones that kind of hit you at a moment in your life, you know, when you're younger or a teenager. Yeah. And um, I I just remember like I love the movie The Untouchables uh, directed by Brian De Palma about um, Al Capone. It's very fictionalized. It's not everything that happens in the movie happened in real life, but it. Um, I remember watching that as a kid and just thinking, you know, other movies that had scores in it that was just like whatever. That was you know, <laughs> that was orchestra and boring. You know, whatever. Whereas like when the movie starts, I was just like, oh my god, this is like. Like, <laughs> I just think, I just remember thinking it was cool. Like, and it, you know, yeah. it's, it's a great score. And, and the thing that I loved about it when I was a kid was the opening um, kind of uh, piece, the strength of the righteousness uh, of the righteous, sorry. And then, uh, but now I love the ending one, the kind of very triumphant soaring uh, Enno Morricone um, score at the uh, closing credits. Uh, but yeah, I love that soundtrack, and I just wanted to throw in you know Morricone in there because uh, he's you know he's a, he's the maestro. Yeah, and that soundtrack, uh, you know, he's got so many that are great, and there are so many that for films that you might not have ever heard of, and you get into it, and you go, wow, this is great stuff. But yeah, I was a consciousness that. style composer. Uh, oh, I mean, he's very. He seems well. I mean, during the sixties and seventies, he was. I mean, that kind of era, they were pumping them out. Yeah, and uh, like. He made these scores for films that, uh, you know, whether it be a Gallo, a Giallo film or a, a Spaghetti Western, but they're just like amazing. Yeah. And then I think as he went on in the in the eighties and nineties, you know, he was he was pretty productive. But I just think with this one, it, it's it's such a great score. And so yeah, I, and when I found a 
a secondhand copy in a record store. I, I was just over the moon. I was just like, I already had it on CD, but I was just like, now I've got it on vinyl. This is great. So yeah, I give it up for the the Untouchable Score by Ennio Morricone. Awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. But to throw it in there, I f- was very surprised slash disgusted to learn that it <laughs> took till the hateful eight for him to actually win an Oscar. Yeah, with a score that is probably fine. Like that, <laughs> that I, 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 I love that one. Have, that's one of my favorite ones yeah. as well. Right. Like, I couldn't I, even retain. I mean, not that's not a, a criticism against it, but when you yeah. think of all the Morricone themes, you can right. It's hum like, and d- sing. Yeah. Certainly not the most iconic exactly. of his. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly how many times, I mean, like The Mission was another soundtrack that I grew up with. I had no idea what the film was about, but people, my, my parents just like bought it because it was such a beautiful score. And yeah. uh, I would have thought that was the a winner of the Academy Awards, but no, not, yeah. not, no. So really funny, The Mission. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> That's a laugh, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, uh, Ino Morricone, uh, he's, uh, and to see him live, I got to see him live. He, he toured around Australia and oh uh, really? Wait, I mean, how long ago was this? Oh, I can't remember now. It was probably like five, six years ago. I mean, oh. he was conducting. You know, yeah, that's what he does. But uh, it was Did still they amazing. Use like an Australian orchestra or something. Yeah, or? I, I, I knew someone who was actually in it in the, oh, the orchestra because cool. they needed someone who played the particular instrument that he played. But uh, I mean, it was still. I mean, you know, just like a piece of score, like. Um, Ah, the one from The Good, The Bad, The Ugly that Metallica uh, use whenever they come out on stage. Uh, Ecstasy uh, of Gold. Ecstasy of Gold. So when you hear that live, you're just like, oh my God, this is... Yeah. <laughs> There's a I'm, reason I'm why Metallica used yeah, that before yeah. a metal show, like yeah. to pump the crowd up because <laughs> it is so epic. Yeah. You mentioned in passing Jalo before and I had completely blanked on this and this wasn't the example I was going to cite, but I'm going to throw my other example in the bin uh, <laughs> and talk about the wow. score to Suspiria by Goblin. Uh, Oh. And and also mentioning, you know, live performances they came for Revelation Film Festival probably about eight, nine years ago now. And seeing them perform that score was unreal. But, you know, that Dario Junto world, you know, the Jalo genre in general. Uh, oh, that's a good Jalo <laughs> genre in general. I'm gonna hold on to that for later. Um, like listening to those kind of, you know, you know, these scores that would influence John Carpenter and and be influenced in, yeah. in return and 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 that kind of that that beautiful synth and that sinister nature to it yeah uh, that is one of the all-time greats Italian prog music was absolutely peaking at that point as well like there were so many great Italian prog bands and it was just so cool that Goblin decided to focus that talent and like into into film into the mm. medium of film but um yeah that that album that that's score or soundtrack or whatever you want to call it i guess it's a bit of both um had like some proto like black metal influences as well so it actually went on to influence like um yeah different genres in in metal music as well yeah and to anyone who wants to buy that soundtrack i've got it at east Week park so <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that soundtrack as well there's a uh, project over in melbourne called hear my eyes mm. and it's where they get bands they they project a movie on in the background and then they get a live band to recompose the soundtrack. Uh, Tropical Fox song did No Country for Old Men. Exactly right. Yeah. And I've Suspir- heard they're doing Suspiria. Suspiria <laughs> and the, it's directed by Sue McKenzie from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Ah. Um, and he'll be performing in it as well. And then uh, I think, uh, yeah, two of the other guys from King Gizzard uh, and one of the ladies in Stonefield um, and a couple of other artists that I'm not aware of. Um, so that's happening next month if you're in Melbourne. See, I would uh, definitely go to that because that is a it's a great lineup of musicians, all very talented in their own way. That it's an intense, you know, collaboration. Well, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't they do but, that? For, like, no, no, it sounds great. I'm sure it'll be actually like unreal. And we've all seen this. Well, you know, go and watch. Suspiria. I actually have not. All oh, right, well, go and watch Suspiria, and yeah. then you can enjoy this other thing. It doesn't ruin Suspiria, obviously. Yeah. But I kind of love that idea. But for movies that are great yet have a bad score. You know, like, wouldn't it be cool to see, yeah. like, we're fixing the score <laughs> to this movie, you know? Like, Suspiria doesn't need fixing, but um, but no, I'm sure I'm sure that'll be great. Well, well Liam, you mentioned um, Tropical F-Storm or Fuckstorm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm censoring myself. <laughs> but, like, uh, doing the soundtrack to No Country for All Men, because, mm. like, I think people forget there is actually, uh, aside from the closing credits, there's no score in the film. It's like they... Oper- they, There's a lot of silence in that film. Yeah, they were yeah. just like that's where the tension lives <laughs> yeah. in the silences. So you know, to to see them do something with that would be yeah. amazing. It yeah. could ruin the tension at times, but yeah. you know, I, I love 
Gareth Lydiard and, and the music he's mm. created. So, you know, it would be pretty awesome as well. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Suspiria is so iconic, but it's it's hard. But then again, we, we've already been through the remake and, and so people loved it. I, I mean, I love the remake. People hated it as well. Yeah. And then, you know, you had the first score by Tom York and it was completely different. It was just like a completely different kettle of fish mm. to and Italian prog rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, that was, yeah. Once again, that was a more, more, much more electronic and heavy instead mm. of, there was actually like some songs that, like some actual songs that he wrote yeah, yeah, yeah. For, that, for that score as well. But, yeah, that that was a fantastic soundtrack. I really enjoyed that one. But yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying. It's not like they've. I suppose it's not like they're trying to get Ed Sheeran to redo the soundtrack to Dead Man on his acoustic well, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea. That's, that's one of those jokes that just like the, the more you think about it and you imagine Ed Sheeran uh, doing his best Neil Young kind of impersonation, the funnier it gets. Yeah. Um. I had one that is actually kind of, you know, in that vein of, you know, artists writing, you know, or bands writing music for a movie. It's a little bit left of field. Um, it's a, actually a surf film. Uh, oh, cool. Called, uh, where have I got it written down? That's right. Self-Discovery for Social Survival. Mm. It's an awesome, uh, it's a collaboration film between, uh, I forget the name of the, the company that filmed it, Mm. Um, but the label Mexican Summer. Um, so they put money together, obviously, and they've produced this surf film in where they film surfers in three different locations around the world. And then they also approached a bunch of artists to record them making music for it, but there's footage of them actually recording it intertwined with this surf footage. So it's very much a spectacle oh. of both mm. music and surf. Um and uh, yeah, the, some of the artists they got in, Dung Yen, um, very um, uh, prolific or maybe not so prolific. They, they're very calculated and take their time, um, but very well regarded and respected uh, Swedish um, band. Mm. I believe they're Swedish from memory. Um, Alalas um, from LA. California. Yeah. Very surfy. Yep. And uh, Conan Moccasin, um, who... Uh, tying him back into film used to be a porn director. I found out recently. Really? Yeah, back back <laughs> yeah, before he became a musician. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a strange cat. So, like when I heard about that, I was like, that wow, actually okay. does not surprise me. So, yeah. Was this uh, is this pre or post like Endless Summer and Endless Summer too? Because they were pretty iconic surf films with. with Big yeah, this is right? yeah. this was released probably about a year ago. Oh, oh right. very, oh, wow. very okay. recent yeah, yeah, yeah. film. Yeah, there's quite um, a lot. They just of... it was a digital release, so they put it straight up on Vimeo, and um, you just buy it on there. Hmm. I think it's like from memory about eight bucks. Very well worth it. And I think if you buy the film, you get the soundtrack. Mm. What was the name again? Yeah. Uh, Self Discovery for Social Survival. Cool. Um, it's about fifty minutes, and it's it's a good good watch. Even if because I'm not too much in surfing, but. I can appreciate good cinematography, yeah, um, and you know, and sick surf moves if that's what they call <laughs> it in the, in the in the industry. There's a but bit uh, of a history of um, like sort of coveted uh, soundtracks on vinyl to surf films. Like there's a there's an Australian surf film from maybe the mid seventies, and I can't for the life of me remember what it's called. But the soundtrack to it is worth about a hundred bucks, and it's wow. still quite sought after. Someone. Someone out there listening to this podcast, I'm sure, will know. Please chuck it in the comments. And <laughs> yeah, chuck it in the comments and remind me. I've had it through the store. I have sold it a copy before. What makes it iconic? Did a band do it or just it's I, really well done? Or It was just, I think it was a, comp a compilation album. Oh, okay, sure. Um, mixed, with some, mixed with some film score as well. But um, yeah, and I'm sure that's not the only one. I'm sure there's others I've had through as well. So it kind of like what thing. Tristan was referring to, I forget the film earlier where it was the film wasn't popular, but it kind of encapsulated the, a time yeah, period. The, and the a lot soundtracks of people, kind of, yeah, yeah like it has, what, has created some longevity for the film. Like yeah. Giving people a reason to go back and, and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's, it's, yeah, I've got nothing more to add to that. I, just <laughs> really I, I had a, um, I had a film score. Yeah. That I was going to mention. And it's, might seem a bit pedestrian off the cuff, but I thought that the um, the score to Fight Club is mm. something that definitely warrants a listen in its entirety, independently of the film, um, because it's it's actually I didn't realize but until I until I picked it up on vinyl, but 
it's across two LPs. It's easily like uh, maybe a, about 63, 64 minutes worth of just, just music. And a lot of it, it is so subtle that you don't actually know it's there in the film. Mm. Um, it, is it Dust Brothers? I'm trying to think. It's the Dust Brothers. It is Dust Brothers. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just like a, it's like a trip hop lover's, you know, dream. It's a, it's just such an amazing soundtrack. But you really have to sit down and, and listen to it because, yeah, like I said, so much of it is so quiet and so subtle. Mm. Um, but it just really adds to like the cold kind of callous nature of the film. And um, yeah, there's just, just something about it. It just it really, really needs to listen all the way through from start to finish. But um, one of the cool things about the vinyl issue is... Uh, it comes packaged in uh, what looks like an Ikea box. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's even got like its own little Swedish name and it's got one of those white sort of in the vinyl collecting community call it an Obi strip, I guess, mm. around the, at the edge of it with the catalog number, the Ikea catalog number and everything. And um, to actually get the records out, you have to destroy the packaging. So it's got like, um, you know, with food packaging where you pull that tab and it, and it, and it yeah. creates a rip and it, yeah. and it literally just rips the cover straight in two and the idea behind it is that you have to destroy something beautiful which oh. is like you know, <laughs> um, but because I'm like you know I didn't want to follow the rules when I got mine I didn't want to ruin the packaging um, I noticed there was like a, a tab on the side that was like glued down really hard and I sort of gently peeled it away and peeled it away until I managed to get Get, get it open and get the records out. Well, that's fine because where are you going to put the records once you break the, the packaging? Uh, that, well, that's yeah, that's a part of the, the mystery, I guess. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when you actually do manage to get this glued down tab open, there's a, a hidden message underneath that says, um, stop trying to control everything and just let go. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of felt like oh, it, was, it was cool. I'd found that little hidden, yeah. you know, hidden mm. Easter egg, but you know. I'd almost want I'd almost want to buy a second copy just to just to do it the right way because yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I cheated the system. But um even the records they're like marbled pink vinyl and um the labels the 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 center labels are like Paper Street Soap Company and you know it's just this such a really um well thought out package. It's one of my favorite records that I own. So I spin it regularly. And um yeah, another quick useless piece of information that I managed to find out about the Dust Brothers when I was doing a bit of research is um, they actually produced Mbop. Oh, oh, wow. Like they produced that track. Which one? Mbop by uh, Hanson. Hanson. Yeah. Oh, I would know I would know the song. I just can't. Um, Come on, you know Mbop, man. Yeah. The, the big hint is in the title, really. I don't know. Mbop, bip-a-dup, ba-do-bop. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Okay. He's only like number one for like... In every 90s film He knew all along. He was just trying to make you guys do that. It's a credits roll or credit scroll kind of tune. So you get up out of your seat and get the hell out of the cinema. Fist pump, freeze frame. Yeah. Well, see, I like it's so... Because I had that on CD when it was... Mbop? No. Well, my sister had that. But like I had the Fight Club soundtrack because I love the movie at that time. And um, it's just funny to think that, uh, yeah, they. I don't think they did another soundtrack, and it's just such a one-off. But mm. it's 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 so the, you know, the music's great, and um, um, yeah, I think at the time I only knew them because they had produced some. They, they produced did. Paul's Boutique by the Beastie That's Boys, it. and, and they also did Odelay by Beck. <laughs> I was listening to that. Odelay by Beck. That was a big one. Yeah. Mm. How do you guys feel? Because as you say, as it was a bit of a one-off, um, and Fincher has mostly worked with Trent Reznor over the last decade and yeah, a half right, with his yeah. scores. So, yeah. And Reznor's become a, a pretty accomplished, you know, yeah. composer of, of scores while still doing his Nine Inch Nails stuff. But yeah, how have you felt about, you know, the social network is the iconic one, but, you know, I think mm. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is actually pretty good. Um, there's even teasers of it in Seven, really, because I think Seven has a chopped and screwed version of uh, Animal uh, in the opening credits, yes, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he obviously has always wanted to work in that in that kind of arena. But yeah, how do you feel about about the uh, resin stuff? Uh it's a good good point. It's one of those things that I kind of uh, had heard about long ago that Reznor was doing film soundtracks. I didn't realize that he was, or was he working exclusively with Fincher? Or? No, he did the Watchmen soundtrack on telly recently. Um, yeah, actually Box, that's, which, was Box, which, he, which he said, I, I, I have heard that. I have heard that yeah. a friend of mine played that soundtrack for me. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It almost sounded 
like, and it pretty much sounded like a Nine Inch Nails album, to be honest <laughs> with you. Just instrumental, which I thought was fantastic. But I also hear that um, because there's there's a, there's a lot of material there for to to you know to score an entire TV series. That's that's it's a like lot. three albums, I think. The Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I hear like that staggering the release. Of yeah. It. yeah, yeah. I I hear that there's going to be another release for the second season, the third season. So God knows how many hours of music that, that is going to be out there. Mm. But yeah, if, I suppose for, to anyone listening who's a fan of Nine Inch Nails and hasn't heard that score, you won't be disappointed. Go check it out. Yeah, see, because, uh, you know, I liked his scores, but, like, I really got into what he was, he and Atticus Ross were doing for the Watchmen score because there'd be these, like, scenes where, like, um, uh, you know, a character would get, like, dressed in their superhero gear and then it's just, like, really, like, breakneck, like, upbeat, like... <laughs> yeah, it's like a Nine Inch Nails song. I was just, like, waiting for him to sing, like, to hear, like, you know, bite the hand that feeds or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, but it's just such... I was just, like, thinking... Man, uh, this soundtrack uh, maybe you know it could be re- become really popular with CrossFit instructors <laughs> or like personal trainers because it's just like you just get pumped up. That's like, actually I'm watching a TV where, show and I'm just, like, where I heard it. Going, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's, in, that's... in motion, <laughs> the track from the Social Network, which is like the opening sort of. I used to listen to that constantly at work when I was writing because it was just like. It, it seems weird to want to get motivated to just write, <laughs> but it was like you could just put your head down and listen to that on loop yeah. for hours, and it was just like this driving, pulsating mm. song. Mm. Sometimes you just need something to get you in the right headspace yeah. and yeah. not distract you at the same time, which yeah. is a very difficult balance to find when you're when you're listening to music. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually had one come to mind before. It was a film I rewatched this weekend because I, I, I've got a little bit of a film club going with some mates where we just catch up. It's a way to catch up. We watch a film that someone recommends and uh, everyone left after and um, we had the sudden impulse to watch Flying Lotus's Kuzo. Have you seen this? Is this the one from like a year, two years, two years ago? ago yeah, and it was... It's, it's horrific, a, right? Like it's it's the most disgusting film. Yeah. No, I, I'm not <laughs> seeing it. I very much want to see it. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's fantastic. It's uh, It's... Co- it's directed by Flying Lotus mm. and uh, David Firth, who did Salad Fingers, the Flash animation from right. the internet in the early 2000s. Mm. Um, so they they collaborate, collaborated and made this film together and it's uh, it's just a wild trip. And Flying Lotus obviously remixes a whole bunch of different artists in there. There's like samples from Boards of Canada to um, some real deep cut Aphex Twin no SoundCloud way. releases when he did a SoundCloud dump few years ago i don't know if you know about this buddy uh Uh, yeah dropped about (laughs) 300 tracks to every apex twin fans delight on soundcloud one day and was just like here you go yeah and so he had sampled some stuff from there and it's just a really good uh there's a lot of warp label artists on there and it's just Mm. a good representation of that that kind of uh that world of electronic production um and uh yeah very enjoyable a lot of the tracks as well that he made for the film ended up being expanded upon for the following uh, album he did Flamagra. Um, oh. So a lot of the yeah motifs that are in that film as well appear in Flamagra, which he So it's kind of like an accompanying piece to the album in a sense. Almost, yeah. And a lot of people, it was actually when that album came out, a lot of people who were disappointed in it, I said something, have you seen Kuzo? And if they said no, I'd be like, watch that. The <laughs> art style to the album. on the cover also exactly. is very similar. Very well, similar. It's, it's the, the collage pop up in in the middle of the gatefold reminds me of it a lot yeah exactly and amazingly he collaborated with david lynch on that film david lynch (laughs) has a spoken word track on it that he did the uh, music for and david lynch just he writes david lynch uh, yeah just got all the ingredients to make you extremely uncomfortable yeah (laughs) yeah in fact i actually think in terms of uh david lynch's recent short pieces i love david lynch Mm. I don't know how you felt about what did Jack do. I haven't watched it yet, but yeah, it was uh, fine. <laughs> it, was, it was okay. Like it was fine. It was like it was Lynch, and yeah. it was there wasn't as much like you know you watch uh, Mulholland Drive and you're just like what okay what is he trying to say and you sit mm. there and he refuses to tell anyone yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so you know and I, I feel like with Lynch that's the point but he says that there is a message behind it but he just doesn't want to say, um, but I felt. Like his what he wrote in collaboration with Flying Lotus was a bit bit better than what he did on his own as like in full David Lynch mode with this. <laughs> what did Jack do? Yeah. So I was like, bit. Well, it's interesting because I think I think David Lynch operates at that level where it's like, um, 
you know, he works in that kind of dream logic space, right? So yeah. it's all very like primally terrifying and, and it, it kind of like you feel like there's a metaphor there, but you're always kind of searching for it. And I kind of like that to a lot of his stuff. Yeah. What did Jack do is kind of like, oh, okay, so the monkey, just, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I could, I'd ever really grasped it because it was so short as well. There was, it was, yeah. it was, it was just very, it didn't feel like it was really strongly surreal, even though it is very surreal. Yeah. He's in, he's a detective interviewing a monkey that is suspected of murder, <laughs> it, and so like, and it know. kind of plays like a joke, <laughs> like like an actual. It seems more like a like joke, set up punchline kind of thing, which yeah. isn't how he normally That's operates. A good way of looking yeah. at it. Um, I haven't seen this film. It's on Netflix. You have to watch Dunstan checks in first. To yeah. 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 It's part of the Dunstaverse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dunstaverse. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's, a, it's only like 10 minutes long. It's just a short film. He, he uh, actually released it, I think, at a film festival in like 2018 or something. And I remember Netflix hearing some whispers it. about it. Yeah. About yeah. a David Lynch and a, and a chimp. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. It's ready and waiting for you when you, when you <laughs> yeah, man. the moment you walk in the door. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be watching. You have that. to say to your partner, like, whatever you're watching, turn it off. We're yeah. watching David Lynch interview a chimp. Yeah, but prepare, prepare music, to there, enter there a, the verse. There is a beautiful song in that that the chimp sings as well. Yes, yeah. At and the I, end, I believe he's releasing an album in that character. What? Yeah. Well, David Lynch has David Lynch music. has a couple of albums. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. released music and he's worked with a lot of different artists, um, and those artists have worked in his films. And, and I think I've read like he was gonna do an album in that character of the, wow. the chimp. Wow, that doesn't surprise me though. Yeah. As well as as surprised as I sounded. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, any other mentions of soundtracks or official scores? Or- oh look, I'll, I'll give really passing fleeting mention. Uh, soundtrack to Climax. You mentioned Aphex Twin. There's you know Window Licker gets a good play on that, but the Supernature yep. by Sarone. Mm. That's a great opening track. Um, John Bryan was the composer I was going to mention. He did Magnolia, Punch Drug Club, Synecdoche, New York, I Heart Huckabees. Um, and Amy Mann did a lot on Magnolia as well. It was influenced by her music. I did want to say I've been going through the process of, um, you know, my, my wife's pregnant, so we're actually getting uh, the oh, room. Congratulations. In our, thank you very much. Uh, we're getting a room in our house ready for like a nursery, but it just so happens that the room is where I've stored all my DVDs and CDs <laughs> throughout the years. That's fine. Babies deserve that room more. Um, but I'm actually de-sleeving all my DVDs and CDs. So I've gone through like my entire collection, uh, except for the special stuff. Is it going in like a DVD wallet kind of it thing? It is. Like these, I've got these... Literally 500. I've got wow. like multiple 500 <laughs> DVD wallets. So these things are never getting com- coming out. So I put the special ones aside. And one of those special ones, as I found, was the first CD I ever bought, which was the Space Jam soundtrack. Oh, wow. And so Damn, I, that's a good one. I cracked that the other day. And <laughs> Hell, it is still yeah. really good. Yeah. It's really good. You've got... That uh, was Seal, Seal, I believe. I, uh, uh, no, well, no, R. Kelly no. did, I R. believe. Kelly like, did. Seal did Fly Like an Eagle. <laughs> um, but it's got um, like eagle, Hit Him yeah. High with Buster Rhymes. That's great. Uh, Chris Title Ro- track, Space Jam. Space Jam, of course. Is that is that Salt and Pepper or something like that on that one? No, it's uh, Salt and Pepper have a different song on there. I forget what that's called. Um, uh, but Chris Rock does a cover of Basketball Jones, the Cheech and Chong <laughs> I, song. I can't even like <laughs> think of the soundtrack because I have. I don't think I've watched it since I was a little kid. Like, oh yeah, I yeah, smashed yeah. it back then. Yeah, but the soundtrack I've, I've I listened to it a lot and it is still awesome. good. It is if still anyone good. who yeah. uh, is in charge of records today is listening, please consider reissuing Space Jam on vinyl. I think they actually did a couple of years back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Space Jam. <laughs> was like the uh, 20 scratch that in 2017 I must have I missed it actually I think it might have been a UK one or something like that one maybe that another maybe. territory got but not because that's something I would like to have just to have well with Space Jam 2 coming out this year hang on what yeah Space Jam 2 actually happening oh yeah it's been filmed uh, LeBron James LeBron that's right yeah, yeah LeBron's LeBron uh, how's that going to go with the the whole China controversy. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if, if China will accept the release of Space Jam 2, which is probably half the point of making the thing. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, yeah. you would think <laughs> that you're going to get like, there'll be revival screenings of Space Jam. They'll be like, they'll reissue the, the soundtrack. They'll, there'll be a new one, which will be awesome probably. Yeah. I'm actually excited about this. Space Jam 2. Yeah. Well, Bill and Ted 3 is coming out as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Wild Stallions. There you go. Some more. Music. Yeah. They've, uh, they've like, and that's actually they've posted photos of them on set and everything like they probably yeah. by now in post. I thought it was just a meme to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, and I thought because yeah, it, it was for as long as I can remember, like Bill and Ted Three is happening. Oh, the script's done. Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> like, I remember being like a teenager and finding out about Bill and Ted and reading like when I did the Wikipedia deep dive on it that number three was coming, and then you know like probably about three months ago they 
released a video of them talking to the camera mm. and they were on the set and they were dressed up as Bill and Ted and it's about Bill and Ted's daughters yeah. um, having to kind of take the throne very much. Uh, did you see Jay and Silent Bob reboot? No. no. But, uh, <laughs> I'm looking for more How, forward What's your to... feelings on Kevin Smith films? Oh, look, I'm looking uh, more forward to Bill and Ted than... Uh, look, yeah. grew up loving Kevin Smith. Yeah. One of those discs that I kept was Chasing Amy Criterion Collection <laughs> Edition. Um, Why is that a Criterion? Yeah, I don't know how, but, uh, but I love that. I do like that film, even though it's dated pretty badly. Um, but the recent ones, like... You know, I watched Tusk, I watched Yoga Hoses, and then I was like, I'm going to tap Yoga out. Hoses, gonna... I just read about it, and I was like, eh. Yeah, tap But <laughs> I, I watched Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and I tell you what, it was a lot better than I expected, because okay. I went in with very low expectations. <laughs> okay. right. This film was one of my, like, favourite... It's not really a film for children, but it was one of my favourite, like, childhood films. Which like, one? Jay and Silent Bob? Get... Strike Back. Strike Back, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've actually got something to mention about that in... The next podcast. Yes. Oh, well, maybe that'll be a good transition for us. Tristan, was there anything you wanted to? Give well, I'm going to just quickly to? clip yeah, through yeah. as we as we get into the the closing moments of this <laughs> year in podcast. But uh, the soundtracks that I just want to mention, um, yeah, Wang Chung doing the the score and the the music for William Freakins to live and die in L.A. Just such a great moment of 80s-ness, but it's such a great soundtrack as well. Mika Levi, I think the score oh, yes. to Under the Skin is going to be one that is just... I think it's already influential now. It's like iconic. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's going to just become one that we look back on and think, okay, yeah, th that's when people just started changing. And the Jackie score is good too. Yeah, she Jackie, that, yeah. yeah. Um, Nicholas Bratel score for If Beale Street Could Talk, that makes me cry. Phantom Thread, Johnny Greenwood, everything that Johnny Greenwood does is pretty great. Um, the Drive soundtrack. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, uh, this is a very obscure one, but there's a film called Thief of Hearts from the 80s. It's a pretty soapy, crime, erotic thriller. It's uh, The film's not that good, but I do enjoy it, and it's mainly because of the soundtrack, and it's produced by Harold Faltermeyer, and the, all the songs on there are just like sleazy 80s kind of like disco. It's such a great soundtrack. I, I, I found it for like, three dollars in a secondhand thing and it was just like it was just like a dream moment to find this obscure soundtrack so yeah harold faltermeyer the composer of the billy hills cop theme axel f all the scores that he's done uh i can't vouch for cuffs uh but tango and cash <laughs> you know uh top gun ah they're they're they're, they're iconic classics so yeah those those are ones that i'll i'll just uh uh finish with yeah but um I think anyone who's interested in soundtracks and 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 movie music, there's some really good shows out there on the in the mixed cloud world. So um, play Morricone for me is a good radio show about movie soundtracks, and another one is uh, You Know the Score, uh, which comes out of Radio Radio Quantica. That's that's always got great like obscure, just soundtrack moments. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna be hitting that up. <laughs> I'll make sure to put a link as well in there in the podcast oh, cool. to those ones as well so yeah Liam did you have any uh, others that you wanted to yeah, quickly just, mention <clears throat> just quickly I was going to mention the life aquatic um, because there's, there's kind of like three facets to that that, are, that I think is interesting so um, Brazilian musician Sir George has a starring role in that film he plays uh, one of the crew uh, his name is uh, Pele dos Santos but anyway, I just love the way that like throughout key moments in the film or <clears throat> transitional moments in the film, he's just sitting alone, just not really caring about much, playing his <laughs> nylon string guitar, just, just singing David Bowie covers in, in his na native Portuguese tongue. And I just love those versions of the song. I've actually got a bootleg copy of all of the David Bowie songs that he, that he sings on that film. Um, also, any soundtrack that has Devo on it gets a special mention <laughs> yeah. for me. So gut feelings, like one of their best tracks ever. And then um, Mark Mothersbaugh, apparently, um, who was the singer and one of the lead songwriters from Devo, actually did the score work for that film as well. But yeah, I mean... Didn't he do the soundtrack for Rushmore as well? He, he, he does a lot of scores. Did. Yeah. Does he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have a feeling that Wes Anderson's like massive fan. He must be a massive fan of Devo and probably works with them like on, on numerous sense. occasions. But... Um, yeah, like it's. I just think Wes has like a f really fantastic knack for just pairing his films with popular music. Mm. So yeah, that was my my other one. Sweet. Oh well, I think that's uh, all of my. Oh, the last <laughs> one, the last one that I have to give a very sure. significant honorable mention or quick mention to 
is The Pick of Destiny, The Tenacious <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. One of my favourite films yeah, yeah. as a teenager. <laughs> I can sing along to every single word of that soundtrack and not miss a beat. <laughs> it is ingrained in my memory. It is a, I don't mm. care what people say. Great film. Dave Grohl, like, flicking his tongue around. Yeah. It's just burned into my memory. Yeah, start to finish, all killer, no filler. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> correct. Yeah. Carche so. City. What a, what a yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Breaking City as well. That oh, was yeah. a, that that was a good one. Uh, but it, there's a Judas Priest reference in there as well when he uh, notices the security camera and you know, screams electric eye. Uh, <laughs> reference to I the Judas Priest. That That's yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, like, because I grew there's up levels like a very yeah. 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 Cl- classic rock kind of, you know, mega fan. And, you know, the, you're watching, you pick up on these little, like, references <laughs> that they, they must have labored over for so long. They're just like, all right, just get a list of song titles and how can we fit this <laughs> in somehow? Yeah. And Meatloaf as the religious dad is just, like, yeah, fantastic good, as well. Like, yeah. so, so well cast. Like, who, I couldn't imagine it being anybody else than other than meatloaf yeah but yeah wicked all right well i think it'll be good to wrap it up there we'll mention as well obviously that we're going to be jumping on movie squads podcast mm, oh yeah. now um so uh we haven't quite worked out the scheduling but it'll be it <laughs> they'll orbit around each other somehow we'll link to each other um but yeah so go listen to that episode if you enjoyed this one and vice versa awesome simon tristan Thank you very much. Thanks Thank for you. having us. See you again soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>